I'm so excited to review this great movie that I haven't seen in two plus years. Let's go. Hey, you know, could be worse. And we found our starter. Where is your commitment to the hoopla? Seriously. Yeah. My commitment to my commitment to hoopla is high. My commitment to the Battle of the Five Armies, which should have been there and back again, second part of the Hobbit series, is not. I see. So you great. only watch two movies because you think it should only be two movies, and you refuse to accept exactly. that there's a third film. C- correct. Thank you, Jamie. I respect that. Welcome. To Hobbit Hoopla. Hoopla! Hoopla! The unofficial podcast of Second Breakfast. We're here for the final installment of the Hobbit trilogy. Here with the Hoopla Krupla to discuss The Hobbit, the Battle of the Five Armies. Arguably the best or the worst movie of the trilogy. We'll find out. Joining us, as always, is the lore master of the Hoopla podcast, Andy Smith. Andy Smith here, connoisseur of many nerdy things, DC, Marvel, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, and let me tell you what, Bayorn is one of my favorite characters in the Hobbit trilogy. What do you think? I mean, sure. I wish we saw more of him. He fell from the sky as a bear. That was awesome. That was very That cool. was incredible. We needed yeah. more of that. I've never seen a sky bear before, and it was pretty badass. <laughs> If you need more sky bears in your life, go hang out with Bayorn. Bayorn the sky bear. Bayorn the beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Bayorn the brave. Almost mm. as brave as the fantasy expert, Chris Pio. As fantasy expert, I would like to point out that Bayorn was actually not in this film. Uh, that was the second film, so. I would like to point out that he was in this film, and the he fantasy was. expert no, was just trying to... No, don't, don't help him. Don't help him. Andrew didn't even watch the movie in preparation for this. Uh, hey, guys. Fantasy expert Chris here. Uh, we're in a good mood, and we're ready to review this film, but I got to tell you, the film maybe doesn't reserve reviewing. We'll get into that a little later, but uh, I'm glad to be here regardless to finish off the Hobbit trilogy. Finishing off the trilogy with the Battle of the Five Armies. And, oh, what is this? A sixth army coming in. A one-man army himself, Jake Laxer. We had to change the entire title of the film. It's now The Hobbit, The Battle of the Six Armies. It does not change the review or the score of this film, unfortunately. <laughs> or fortunately, as Jim said, it could be arguable. Jake Laxer here, lover of all things TV and movies. Can't wait to dive into this uh extravaganza of of of, <laughs> of, of just a, a battle action. It's just a, an absolute action it's true to the name an extravaganza of action more like an yeah, elf extravaganza Ooh. Ooh, wow lore master <laughs> fantasy <laughs> expert He's i don't know fantasy expert uh, I, don't, I don't i don't care it doesn't matter anyhow moving right along what too many armies too many titles we don't know what's going on in this podcast anymore but hey my name's jamie claire that's pretty fun chris if people are looking to find us on twitter instagram where can they find us if you would like to commiserate with our review and takes of this film <laughs> I'm being too negative early. Let's drop the act. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, our link tree, link.tr.ee forward slash Hoopla Podcast Networks for all of our relevant links. If you want to engage with us on social media, find us on Twitter and Instagram at Hoopla Podcast. More specifically, for the Lord of the Rings content, you're going to want to follow at Hobbit Hoopla, both on Instagram and Twitter. 
If you're delving into a galaxy far, far away, find us at Holocron Hoopla, both Twitter and Instagram. And of course, for any content with comics or or uh, the upcoming uh, Marvel and DC stuff for the next 2023 Ooh. year. Very excited hey. about that. Of course, you're going to want to find that at Hero Hoopla. Uh, once again, make sure to engage, con- uh, review, do everything you can with us because we are ready to discuss good things, bad things, and uh, everything in between. Yeah, and so- unexpected things. Ooh. Lots of hoopla. Lots of hoopla. Lots of unexpected hoopla. So, yeah, we'd love to engage with anybody if you have thoughts on the movie, opinions about, you know, our opinions. And Andy, <laughs> if some of these lovely people would want to check out some of our awesome merchandise that is not, where could they go? You can go and find our merchandise at hooplapodcastnetwork.square.site. We have shirts, hats, both Star Wars and Lord of the Rings related. Um, and we have some hero merch coming in here soon when we get into the. Uh, into the Marvel and DC uh, properties coming out. Um, so co- go and uh, check it out at hooplapodcastnetwork.square.site. Beautiful. Merchandising, merchandising, merchandising. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find, um, you. You can find links to all of these yeah. things in the episode descriptions so you don't have to type in uh, anything to your URLs or uh, all that stuff. Just click on the link. It'll be easy peasy. And while you're at it, go ahead and leave us a review. Leave us a five-star review, and we'll, I don't know, we'll, we'll give you a high five leave next us, time we we'll see like you. Leave us a five-army <laughs> we'll like review. Give us, a, give us a star for each army in this film, and we would greatly appreciate it. <laughs> and if you're confused, oh, there no. were five armies, okay? Don't, don't give us a four. That's, that's maybe like a three-and-a-half to four-star review. <laughs> that's fine, you know? I'll take an honest review as long as it's five stars. Without any further ado, let's dive into this episode of the Hoopla Podcast because we are here to discuss the Battle of the Five Armies, a movie that is one big battle scene after another, just fighting, more fighting, death, more fighting, back and forth. And apparently there's five armies. Let's discuss who are the five armies of this movie, because watching it, I uh, got confused, to be completely honest with you. Now, hold on. Before (laughs) we jump into the armies of this film, we have to actually wrap up the events of the previous film. The best part of the movie is the beginning. (laughs) The best (laughs) part of the movie was the climax of the last film. (laughs) That is a good point. The desolation of Smaug kind of, uh, you know, doesn't occur in the desolation of Smaug movie. It's so dumb. (laughs) No, it's a creative choice that I appreciate. (laughs) I just don't get why, if you're going to end a movie with thrilling suspense but call the film the desolation of that threat, you have to choose a better time to cut it off. Mm. Call the movie something different. Call it The Hobbit, Under the Mountain. Call it Hobbit, Return to Aragorn. It, it, it doesn't need to be the desolation of Smaug. Clearly, if Smaug is Chris, only a threat. you were not a good enough fan to know the implication. <laughs> That's, it's all about the implication well, at Smog's this point not you know Smog is going to die the implication. he's not going yeah, to do the that implication. If, if we ask him not to do that then of course he won't but he won't you, you because know what? of the implication you're, 
You are right. What the second title should have been was The Implication of Smoke. <laughs> the Hobbit, The Implication of Desolation. Um, that was actually a pretty fun way to start the movie, though. Getting Smaug yeah. flying over, blasting fire over this lake town. Everybody's fleeing, running away. And truly one of the most ridiculous methods for killing a dragon I've ever seen in any My God. fantasy world ever. To take a broken bow and just stick it into some planks of wood which i guess are strong enough to hold a bow with the strength to pull the string to fire a, a metal arrow using your Spear. own son's shoulder <laughs> to knock this metal arrow <laughs> how calm I... is bard's kid like great job all around like just Seriously. keeping that air level the just, composure. Just for the moment when the dragon lifts his wing and you see that tiny little scale. <laughs> a little to wow. the right. Incredible. Oh, yeah, a little to the right. And then just beamed him. Where is his son's heralding? Come on. Like, he was equally, if not more, involved with actually taking down Smaug. He found the Black Arrow. Mm -hmm. He kept it safe. Uh, and and then climbed the tower to meet up with his father, only yeah. to be used as a freaking yeah. He went away ottoman. from his the safety like <laughs> to he, be used as were, an yeah. ottoman. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What do you use to aim things? Uh, the actual bow. Typically, we got to get some archers on the podcast yeah, to tell ballista. us what the what yeah. The we do bow need some archers on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Someone invite Katniss Everdeen. Um, you know what? I'm still not convinced that the sun should have not been decapitated in this scene. I really do think that the bow should have reverberated forward and just, it would have been sad. It would have been very sad. Oh, like an we ultimate sacrifice? Yeah, of course. And there would have been <laughs> so eulogy brutal. music in this episode right now. I, I'm a little disappointed. I'm so sorry that the child didn't get murdered, Jake. <laughs> hey, at least it would have added some actual weight to the film. Okay, I will say that this is still the best part of this film. Like, the opening oh, sequence agreed, yeah. is... Uh, Jake, you love Smaug the dragon. He is Smaug. self-proclaimed yes, your favorite dragon in fantasy. So tell me what he you is. thought about Smaug as he's taking on Lake Town and, like... The implications for Lake Town going forward. <laughs> well, you know the implication insinuates that Smog is going to die. He's going to be, you know, desolated. And so uh, we see we oh. see Lake Town. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm listening. It's just I, I never considered the terminology working to change the subject of the sentence. <laughs> Okay, the audience doesn't want to hear this. <laughs> go, go on, yes, they don't. Go on. But anyhow, you know, embers are flying. A fire is a, is everywhere, right? Lake Town is is done for. But you have you have our guy with his barb arrow, and it's just it's just a cinematic masterpiece. I don't know how you don't love this movie, <laughs> Chris. Tell me more how much you love this film. Well, I just don't get why it was the start of the third film. Okay. Can you list any other examples of a trilogy where that happened? Okay, maybe we should just take a step back and tell the audience how we got here. Because this is something that is very important. <laughs> Originally, there was two movies. The scripts were two movies. That's true. An Unexpected Journey followed up by the second movie, which was going to be There and Back Again, which is a great title, by the way. I wish it was that title. The... <laughs> First movie was supposed to end as they get to Erebor. The second movie was going to be Bilbo meeting the dragon, 
waking the dragon up, the dragon destroying Lake Town, and then the third act was going to be the Battle of the Five Armies. Because, you know, Peter Jackson, he loves to write. He's just writing, writing, writing. And instead, we got the barrel scene. <laughs> that should have been a movie yeah. on its own. I'd watch 90 <laughs> minutes of barrels for sure. It's a long-ass river. So in essence, yeah. Chris, you're right. You're right. This is definitely wasn't their original uh, their original like scripts or whatever, but, you know, this is what we got. I, under- I get that, and I understand that. And, you know, I can't understand what's going on, the inner machinations of Hollywood. Those decisions are made at such a high level. But it just feels like a disrespect to the writing team (laughs) to have maybe two really well-planned-out films, uh, you know, the director and everything being involved with saying, okay, we're going to do two films. Here's the content for film one. Here's the content for film two. And then being tasked because some power on high said, hey, we want to make more money. Go ahead and split that into three. I don't care how long you have to work, just do it. It, it just, just feels disrespectful from the studio's standpoint of being forced to turn something that you've worked on for, I don't know, two, three, four, five years, depending on how long it took to write, and then spread that out across yet another film. To be so fair, though, it, I think this was actually a Peter Jackson-driven situation. Like, I, the, it's possible. His writing yeah. is very protracted, and you can see, like we talked about in the last movie, in Lord of the Rings many deleted scenes of things that didn't really need to, you know, that weren't furthering the storyline. Here, he just, <laughs> there were not many deleted scenes. Now, there are a few deleted scenes, like maybe a death of the the master's friend. Uh, oh. That is actually ridiculous as well. Just, he packed everything into this film, and, you know, it didn't work from beginning to end for me, at least. Worked for me pretty well. <laughs> I enjoyed all the action for two hours. How fucking long was this movie? Two hours and twenty-four minutes. There were well, swords, swords ablazing, fire ablazing, people ablazing. I mean, <laughs> it was everything you could ask for in a Hollywood feature film. Jake yeah. loves ablazing. We had orcs fighting dwarves. We had dwarves fighting elves. We had elves fighting orcs. We had eagles dropping bears. We had fire. We had ice. We had death. <laughs> We had little shiny rocks. What more could you want out of a movie? We had Nothing. a love story. And as we've learned from Avatar, you don't need a good plot line for a film to be successful. <laughs> you just need good visuals. And this movie well, didn't sadly, have them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> the Battle of the Five and this, Armies. And this movie was every exception. <laughs> the, the Battle of the Five Armies was more the battle of the one supercomputer it took to generate all that computer graphic. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, though, that Smaug looked pretty good. Yeah. From Smaug, the CGI front, Smaug was excellent. Uh, Smaug, yes. incredible. Which, again, and we'll, we'll stop talking about it in this way now. We've, we've discussed it ad nauseum, but it's, it literally stole the climax from the second film. Yeah. And if you had taken that 10, 15 minutes and put it in the second film but then still had Lake Town be in disarray to start the third, it would have been just fine, and the second film would have been a full, complete movie and much better Mm. as a piece of content. But I just thought it was a weird decision, and we can go into the battle now, as we should. Otherwise, we're going to be here talking about this movie for (laughs) three-plus hours. But, But Chris, uh, I already wasted three-plus hours watching the film, so we need to move on. I agree with your your point, Chris. And this film would have been more focused. And that's the last thing I would say, too. True, I agree, yeah. Yeah, it would have made a lot more sense. It felt like a meeting where they had to do 
unfinished business, literally. But in but we didn't even talk about the death of the master because that was incredible. <laughs> Bard incredibly ridiculous. Bard over here just uses uh like I don't know, gets like a rope caught around the master, puts it around his bars and just rips him out. He gets out of prison and then immediately the dragon falls on the master to his well, doom. Again, speaking of decapitation, how did he not get decapitated? Yeah, I don't know. I know this is fantasy, but Jake yeah. is just a fiend for decapitation. <laughs> I just need someone to be, you know, chopped straight at the surface. Can I interest the, you in season one of Game of spine. Thrones? Yeah, seriously. You, you may. You may interest me in season one of Game of Thrones. I mean, it was ridiculous, and that's not, te- I don't think that's how it would have actually happened in real life, but that also wouldn't happen in real life. So, <laughs> that's true. Yes, conveniences abound, some ridiculousness abound, but... For laughs, after that's the, the uh, issue for me. Like, this was done for laughs, like, not a great way to part with that character. Obviously, he's an Ophi character, but it wasn't that comical. Uh, I Agreed. Mean, I chuckled when I saw the dragon <laughs> splash down, just hit his one boat. This huge <laughs> dragon that's, like, the size of the town itself just falls down and just hits directly on top of this... Classic Hobbit style. Um, but there is one thing that we yeah. should talk about before we get into the big fight scene, which really was 80% of the movie. But we had some other little evil machinations in this world as Gandalf, That's true. Galadriel, Elrond team up against the Dark Lord himself. We get a little bit of, a little bit of our boy Sauron. Old Halbrand shows up in this movie a little bit. Oh. Yeah. That was pretty cool. How'd you guys uh, feel dope. seeing Sauron show up after having watched The Rings of Power? You know, I am excited to see Galadriel get her abilities in The Rings of Power. And kind of tying back to what Andy was saying before, what are, uh, are going to be the outcomes of these three rings that the elves forged? Is she wearing one of those rings? Is this how she was able to send him off to the distance yeah. and abolish him? I don't know. She is. I'll tell you right now. Galadriel's wearing one of those rings. Nymeria is um, the name of the ring. Um, but it is cool, just the dynamic still... between Galadriel and Sauron. Now that we know that they have this like personal history with each other, and then seeing mm. how like intense Galadriel gets in this scene, and I mean, I'm not going to say evil, but she does get like a sense of like darkness to her as she's casting out the the Dark Lord. And now after seeing the Rings of Power, we can see that there is more of a personal stake that she has in this relationship between, you know, defeating the Dark Lord himself. So I thought that scene was great, um, especially after the Rings of Power. I, I love seeing the, uh, the Witch King and the other Nazgul, like, behind Sauron when, when yeah. you see his full form. Um, that was kind of an interesting choice. And so when you see him get blasted off, you know that what now happens over the next 50 years, like think of all the things that Sauron's going to do to get to this height of power in Mordor when we get to Fellowship of the Ring. Um, At that point, the army's built, the Nazgul are out, the Gondor's to its knees. Like I almost watching this, it makes me think like I would almost want, oh, I shouldn't say this, another (laughs) little... Maybe not a series, but just additional like content in between that time. 
to <laughs> you know to see what happens. Amazon, the Dark Lord I, you know what to do. Too. Amazon, five seasons of Rings of Power, now, two seasons of In Between <laughs> Hobbit, Lord of the Rings. Let's get it. Hell I yeah. will say, Andrew, you, to take a bit of a different turn on this, and of course we need to return to The Hobbit, and I will. If you're looking for more content in that time period, any gamers Ooh, out there listening, you can enjoy the 2014 release uh, Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor, which does explore Sauron's rise to power, the orc armies. Uh, again, if you're a gamer out there, I definitely recommend it. It's an action-adventure game. But at the same time, it's also got that kind of political war, racketeering, conquest type of uh, game mode. So very cool. Does give a bit of story. And of course, we do get a reference to our, or not even a reference, a full-on cameo from our friend Celebrimbor in that video game. So there's definitely a little bit of tie-ins there if you're looking for more content. To bring it back to The Hobbit, though, and to talk about that scene specifically, I think it's a very well-designed, self-contained scene. And I did enjoy that part of the film. Again, the, the dragon slaying, and then, of course, this scene right after that is, is a great start to the movie. It just kind of falls off as it goes. The only thing that I have a problem with from that scene with Galadriel and, and all the sorcerers battling, Galadriel, as we know from Rings of Power, her main goal is to root out evil, to find Sauron and eliminate him once and for all at any cost. And we see that. I mean, she literally jumps off the boat. She could have spent all this time in heaven if she wanted to, the elf heaven, whatever, Valinor. But she jumped off the boat because she knew Sauron was out there. Well, okay, they come face to face with Sauron, and maybe they're not powerful enough to defeat him, but the problem is she goes and just kind of hides away for how long until the fellowship starts up and then the need for actually tracking him down again is apparent. And in that time, no one seems to like be worried that Sauron literally just appeared mm. in front of three of the most powerful beings in Middle-earth. So, so that scene, as, as good of a self-contained scene as it was, it does not help me understand what happened in that time period until we get to Fellowship. Because even when Gandalf sees the ring that, that uh, Bilbo has for the first time in, in the Shire, he's kind of like, hmm, wonder if that's the ring of power that Sauron was, a, was looking for all those years ago when we fought him in Duel Gildor. And, and, he just, and then he has to go and like do research. And, and I don't know, it, it just... That particular scene leaves a lot of questions now that we have the Ring of Power, Rings of Power series, because Galadriel, I thought, was just dead set on hunting this down, and then she just kind of goes to the Woodland Realm to wait things out. I don't know. It, it seemed a little strange. Well, We're going to have to see where Galadriel's character develops, uh, you know, before and after, but... Lucky for you, Chris, we have four more outstanding <laughs> seasons of the Rings of Power to, to uh, sort of flesh out what you got going there. You're true. But... I mean, what they, the only thing they kind of allude to is like Saruman's going to go and, and track him down. But I agree, Chris, that's not, at least in how we know Galadriel so far in the Rings of Power, it wouldn't be in her nature to al just allow that to take place. Like, just, yeah. I'll go over here. That's fine. You, yeah, you go find the Dark Lord. Like, she climbed the, the ice wall for how many years to try and find right. uh, Sauron? Uh, in the Rings of Power, but um, I want to just highlight Christopher Lee in this scene where he comes yeah. in fighting. We haven't really seen Saruman fight other than his battle with Gandalf and Fellowship of the Ring. And he was just, I honestly, he looked like Count Dooku. 
<laughs> in this <laughs> in this scene where he's just kind of taking people out in different ways, like using his staff really kind of elegantly and then like forcefully just taking out different orcs. Um, I, I was it was very cool to see Christopher Lee. Yeah, now Hugo Weaving seemed like he was kind of thrown in there. I don't really know his role in this whole situation, but you know. yeah, why was Elrond there? I, I I don't know. That's a good question. Because why not? Yeah, we got. Why not? They were all having dinner together. They talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> they went straight from dinner to the after dinner party, and they just fought yeah. the Dark Lord for a little while. Why not? Come on. <laughs> that scene was very good, and I did enjoy getting a little bit of a reprieve from, I guess that was also a fight, but a little bit of a reprieve from grand scale battles, which is what we get yeah. for the rest mm. of the movie. Because <laughs> we have... I guess it's time. Now it's time to talk about the battle of the five armies. We got to figure out what are the five armies, because there's the dwarves, of course. <laughs> there's the elves. Which, what, which dwarves are you referring to? That's true. Well, that's a good question. There's because, uh, Thrain's... Because we can break this down into two, <laughs> two armies. So maybe that's where the five comes from, because we have Thrain's dwarves. We have right, of course. Thorin's dwarves. Not much of an army, more of just a band of homies. Uh, we have... <laughs> the Battle of the Five Armies and the Twelve Homies. <laughs> Coming this fall to AMC. Band of homies. Yeah, the band of homies. We have the elves. We have the humans. We have the orcs. I, I have my and then we have a second army of orcs. So that's six. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely they're alluding to the Gundabad orcs, the Doggledore orcs. I almost forgot the name because I haven't seen this movie in two years. The <laughs> humans, elves, dwarves, and honestly, the dwarves, you said Thrain, but are you talking about Dane? The guy that's very CG? Yes. The guy that's on the pig? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not Thrain, Dane. My apologies. Thank you, Lore Master. King Dane. Oh, wow. Gloin and groin and schmoin and boin. <laughs> dilly, gilly, milly, gilly, dilly. Dilly, dilly. Yeah. Dilly Dilly. <laughs> dilly Dilly. That's my favorite dwarf. I love Dilly Dilly. <laughs> However many armies we have, we do have some, you know, just some classic CGI on CGI fights between everybody. And we get Thorin now fully overcome by his greed. Doesn't want to, doesn't want to give out any of the money that he said he would to the elves or to the people. It's like, this cash is mine, baby. Now give me that shiny stone. <laughs> the Arkenstone. The Arkenstone. Um, and then Bilbo just steals the Arkenstone from Thorin. I guess Thorin never had it, but he steals the Arkenstone and gives it to Thranduil. What's up with that? What a power move. Yeah. I love that. I love that decision. I think not only is Martin Freeman just as an actor, yep. probably the saving grace of this particular film, but as a character, Bilbo, the character is, is an excellent character. I, I think he's... He's just, he's rationalized, he's level-headed, and he's stronger than Thorin in some ways, not brute strength or maybe leadership, perhaps, but he's definitely more thoughtful, and he decides to bring the Arkenstone out and say, hey, we can do this together, there doesn't have to be a battle. Take this, and that will... It's a good plan. It doesn't work, but it's a great plan. Yeah, no, it's a great plan. I was surprised that the plan didn't work, because, you know, his greed 
initially seemed like it was just about getting the Arkenstone, right? And then he's given this opportunity to possess the Arkenstone if he just parts ways with a little bit of gold. And now all of a sudden right. he doesn't want to part way with gold at all, even if it means he gets the Arkenstone. I guess he was just too overcome with greed and he needed everything all for himself and he's willing to kill everybody for it. That dang dragon sickness, man, I tell you. I'll get you every time it's worse than COVID. <laughs> Arguably. So, uh, did, did you think that, Th- did, did Thorin always know, did Thorin always know that Dane and the other dwarves were going to show up? Like, because his, when he de- denies, you know, Bard and, and doesn't, even hand over those jewels to Thranduil that he doesn't care about. Like they're, it's just because they're under the mountain. He deserves it. It just would have been a bad plan. There was no way that they were going to be able to hold out versus that human and elven army. And yeah. then even as the orcs come, they just decline to, 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 to leave the actual, you know, under the mountain. I'm not convinced that he knew that Dane's army was going to show up. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he was making rational choices, right? So he, and this is what we've seen with dwarves, you know, throughout the history of Middle Earth is they get too greedy and they wipe themselves out through irrational thought of just trying to possess as much gold and dig as deep as they can. So, you know, maybe he was, I mean, he was obviously making the wrong decision. And even if Dane didn't show up, or even if Dane did show up, they're all going to die anyway. Um. I don't know. And when is Disa going to make that exact same mistake? <laughs> when? I don't know. We'll see. I am excited for season two. Disa goes evil. Everyone knows it. Disa is evil. One thing, Durin is one, probably good-ish. <laughs> one thing this movie does do well is, is finish off the arc of Thor and Oakenshield. He yeah. starts off, you know, very neglectful, very, I don't want, I don't want it. Uh, I don't want to do this. This is this is a fool's errand. How could you drag me into this, you you stupid wizard? And then he moves on to leadership when he realizes that his people will follow him. This company of dwarves. Throughout the second movie, he kind of understands like, okay, if we're gonna do it, let's do it right. They get the key, they get the map, and they 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 say, okay, we're not giving up until we do it. And then of course he finds the gold. He gets into Erebor and and, and he he goes mad just like all dwarven kings before him who have been obsessed with gold. So the movie does take that character arc and, and really finalize it in a way that makes sense. It's just that some of the decisions he makes because of that character arc are so irrational. In the second movie, he's all about leadership and, and camaraderie and, and doing what's best for his people, and yet he's going to throw them into the fire against five, maybe six other armies, uh, or four, maybe five. I don't know, math is hard. Uh, it's just some of the decisions he made you can just chalk it up to well it's the sickness of the gold and and that just that's not a good plot device in the end yeah and speaking of irrational decisions he made he forgot his dang oaken shield in his battle (laughs) against azog yeah what are we supposed to call him in this film dead is what we're supposed to call them. <laughs> Thorin Dead? Thorin Dead. That's his new name. Thorin Dead. Before this film, he was two for two and using an oaken shield against Azog. And now he goes, pretty fun fight scene, you know, back and forth. Azog thinks he gets, you know, he stabs Azog through the foot, tips over the ice. He falls into the water. Oh, Azog's dead, floating under. Oh, Azog's back, jumping up through the ice like a dolphin. That was, I don't honestly, know. that was pretty cool. 
like, was cool. Uh, yeah, that was, was I love the the scenery gonna, and the environment for that. Battle. I'm gonna retitle him Thorin Broken Shield. Oh, Thorin Broken Shield. <laughs> yeah. Who just allows um, Azog to stab him straight through the chest in a way to yeah. boom bring the orc close enough to stab him. That was honestly pretty cool to see that. He was fighting him off, trying to prevent himself from getting stabbed in the chest, and he just let it happen, finishing off Azog. Honestly, a fun fight. As ridiculous as the CGI was, because Azog is not necessarily the greatest uh, CGI design, but fun fight. Mm. To Chris's point, though, this is that was a good ending to his storyline, and he needed to die in this movie. Like that, he accomplished what his father couldn't he accomplished um he got back to the mountain like his arc was completed what i was more surprised about was the death of philly and killy both just killing off the line of thrain like that's or uh, the line of durin um yeah obviously then dane does take over as the king under the mountain after this movie but um that was that was a shocking moment when especially when they killed off Philly. Oh wait, no, Killy of a prequel. No, more so Killy. Can... I knew Philly was going to die. Killy and Philly, <laughs> well, whichever <yeah>. one. <laughs> Anyone involved in the single love story in the yeah. film well, in the trilogy. I would say this love story was, you know, a bit of a love triangle with Legolas <laughs> jumping That's in there true. a little bit. Jake, wake up. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh no. No, I'm here. Jake I'm here. I'm freezing on the mic. I'm freezing. <laughs> And uh, I'm just I'm just recreating my best Thorn Oakenshield after he got stabbed, you know, through the chest. And it was just, he just didn't have much eyes to say closed. after that. Yeah, eyes closed. And he was resting his eyes. Yeah, he was resting his eyes. He's paying his respects. Uh, yeah, and and that's where I'm at. I love it. it that's what Jake feels about this movie. He yeah. fell asleep during his review. I I want to point out there is not a single The Hobbit film. Where I did not fall asleep. So I feel like it's only appropriate <laughs> that I do fall asleep in the review. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Just to keep it as accurate as possible. Um, we're yeah. going to cut this episode into five separate episodes <laughs> and see how much money we can make from all them Hollywood <laughs> But to get back to the love, uh, the love story that we have in this movie between Tariel, Tariel and, and Killy? Killy. Philly. One of them. Yes, Billy. Killy. Killy. One Tariel and Killy. Uh, but then we also have them. Legolas, who's one in of love those with schmucks. Tariel as well, which I've, I kind of found that like unrequited love story of Legolas and Tariel a little pointless, I guess. I don't think it really added anything to... A little pointless? <laughs> Quite pointless. That's kind of like, like being almost pregnant. <laughs> Pointless means it has no point. You can't be a little pointless. And you're right, though. It was pointless. It was, it was shoehorned in. And uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Lord Master, but Legolas was not even in the book, correct? That's correct. Neither yes. was Tariel, so, so you can go crazy with it. <laughs> That's right. true. So That's we're true, just going to throw in two new characters, and then we're also going to make them be involved romantically somehow. It, it was just, again, it, the movie has no weight. It, it added something that wasn't there and hey. didn't provide any sort of 
entertainment well any sort of stakes oh, any it was sort of now, investment yeah it was entertaining but now at least we know legolas is off to ride up north to find strider i mean that's that's, that's why true. they threw threw him in there just so they can say that again. Jay loves an Easter egg. Jay loves an Easter egg. That's not even an Easter egg. <laughs> Easter know? eggs are supposed to be hidden in the background. That is the okay, most yeah, on-the-nose thing. Oh, Legolas, why don't you go get in position one for your next film? <laughs> it, it's so silly. Chris, I saw this movie on a Sunday. This was an Easter egg for me, okay? <laughs> I appreciate it. Just in this. case anybody watching this third movie of the Hobbit trilogy didn't know that it came before the lord of the rings trilogy now they know yeah. must have been a mind-blowing experience yeah everyone was oh, so okay. confused prior chris, to that comment chris you said it didn't yes. have any weight now i'm gonna take that as <laughs> an opportunity to talk about something else that had no weight and that's orlando bloom going against physics running up each like falling stones that is my okay i i actually i love the Hobbit trilogy. I love Lord of the Rings. I just love <laughs> fantasy. But the one thing in the Hobbit trilogy, more so than the, you know, wheelbarrow massacre of, of Bomber, <laughs> is Orlando Bloom going against physics, running upwards on stones that are falling. <laughs> See, I have to disagree with you strongly on this point. No. Legolas was incredible in this movie. I agree. From running I mean, upwards on falling stones. He was incredible. <laughs> to steering an orc by shoving daggers into its head and turning that into a saddle of sorts. <laughs> to turning a tower into a bridge. This guy was... Truly oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved yeah, every second of whatever. it. Whatever. Because you got to get into the, the hoopla Love hobbit mi mindset to just embrace <laughs> how absurd everything Legolas did in this movie was. Absurd. How is... many zeros did the check have, Orlando? How many zeros? <laughs> I just got to know. Just enough. Sorry, you want me to reprise a role from a book? Where the role didn't exist. Yes. We know. And I want you to look. We understand. It's a little. It's a little pointless. But we're gonna have you get out there. It's a tad bit pointless. But to be fair, he didn't have to show up on screen at all because his face was just fully CGI the whole time. Yeah. So he didn't have to sit through the makeup chair or anything or costume. He just he showed up and he was like, "Hey, you can put my name on this big poster and give me money." deal <laughs> Legolas use your elf eyes and then he stares over to the distance and he looks like Michael Myers <laughs> <laughs> thank you the Michael yeah, Myers they, they did my boy Orlando bad here uh, okay but I would say yeah. it was great seeing I, even if the storyline is not that wonderful elves are awesome and the way that they like how athletic they are including Thranduil so when Thranduil is on the stag and he, he takes six orcs and the stag raises them up on its horns and then he uses the door to decapitate them like Jake loves. That <laughs> was incredible. That. Thranduil Thank is you. We need a wonderful character. I want to delve into a little bit more because I think there's a lot behind him that would be interesting to explore. Yeah, definitely. And maybe we'll get something like that in Rings of Power. He's alive at that time. Yeah, as... as much as I guess they kind of overdid it on the action scenes in this movie, they did include some cool things like Thranduil 
on the stag, just kind of carrying a whole bunch of orcs on the antlers, um, or Dane on his hog riding through yeah. and taking people down, or as we mentioned earlier, Bayorn getting dropped as a bear from the giant eagles directly on top of the orcs. They did do some fun things to kind of spice it up instead of just having a whole bunch of CGI orcs stabbing CGI elves. Mm. Is he a were bear? Here bear. Here bear? There bear? <laughs> Care bear? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to understand what it is. Moving on to what? I have another. I'm just going to go through things I liked to see during the movie because there's not like a real like through line. So I can't really go through the plot. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump back to when the giant. uh, What were they like? Worms? Mm, Like, yes. Earth eaters. The earth eaters bust out. Of, of the ground and then you have the another army kind of come out from underneath that reminded me of uh of the southlands like i think maybe a yeah. lot of these things within the last three movies i think were used by the rings of power writing team to kind of shape shape that script um a little bit less obviously they they enhance that storyline like <laughs> instead of those these giant earth eaters coming out of the ground you actually had like orcs like chiseling and stuff and it like made more sense but i thought that was a really cool like way for the the orcs to to ambush um the other armies you know those worms got out of the way pretty quickly i'm i'm, I'm trying to replay that in my mind and how the the physics behind that all worked out you think they buried after they made the tunnel don't or... worry about physics, my friend. <laughs> Just <laughs> push that from your mind. As we discussed in the last episode, the physics of the melting statue, we don't worry about physics in the Hobbit world, you know okay? You are, you are correct. Thank you. Legolas wasn't worried about physics. Oh, well, he's never worried about physics. <laughs> and he never will be. All right, Andy, what else did you like? Yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's hear some I'm, good things. Oh, yeah. Chris, I want you to say let's, let's one turn... good thing about this movie, please. <laughs> I already did. I thought the Thorn Oakenshield art say another was one. really well handled. Uh, to say another thing, I don't know. The costuming um, was great, Chris. <laughs> yeah, but then again, you have the CGI argument where, unfortunately, they chose to move away from practical effects when they nailed it 20 years ago and, and 10 years prior to this film. I just... It, it's not... What about Alfred? Come back you to me. You love Alfred. Come back to me. All right, let's oh, talk about Alfred. We didn't Alfred. talk about Alfred at all. Alfred is this <laughs> no, snivellingest. Alfred, Alfred is this biggest <laughs> yes. stain on this film. No, Alfred, oh Alfred provides the needed comic relief that we don't get anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> he is aspirationally craven. Mm, oh my. <laughs> That's is that a Midwestern emo band? <laughs> I am so impressed by his ability to be as sniveling as he is throughout this entire trilogy. You know, I really, you got to appreciate that when he gets the, the, the coins and he uses, <laughs> I can't even say it. Chris, Chris, you explain that scene. Please, he creates, please, please, creates a bosom of Compare... change and <laughs> he says, not every man is brave enough to wear a corset. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Incredible. Oh, wait, and that was going right. to be my quote of the day. <laughs> the moment of oh highest hoopla. 
I just if you take if you take him and you look at Grimmer Wormtongue from yeah. the original trilogy, they're clearly supposed to be related in some way, shape, or form. You're supposed to think of Wormtongue. But this is just done so ineffectively. Wormtongue was 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 subtle and was a a, a, a deep rooted darkness. He's yeah. a menace. He it was a long, long, consistent plaguing of Rohan of the king. And then this is just like, oh, time to get out of here. Let me take my <laughs> bosom of gold. Yuck, 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 yuck. I like I we like how he's enough. goofy now. What <laughs> <laughs> gosh? What a good idea. <laughs> We had enough fumbling and bumbling from the dwarves alone. There there was no need to add this superfluous character that you can just call comic relief when half of The Hobbit was just comic relief anyways. Well, that's not how they thought of it, Chris. (laughs) Well, they thought it should have been two movies, and I agree. And there's the joke. Okay, well, I do think that the biggest missed opportunity with that character is the deleted scene where his death is he's on a he gets shot out of like a cannon into the mouth of an ogre. <laughs> what? what? Everybody take a look. That's how he dies. Are you sure you saw this movie two years ago? That's <laughs> a deleted scene. It's a deleted scene. Go take a look. Wearing the uh Yeah, no, he's wearing his dress filled with gold. gold. The, the dress. And he is shot. Now it's been a while since I've seen that, so maybe I'm maybe it's Alfred over the years is just. I think this is just a dream you in had. my mind. <laughs> yeah, let me let me take a look and I'll do my own. Oh, fact okay, this here. is this is kind of cool. Oh, Gandalf's fighting the ogre. Oh, the people. And we're going to take a quick oh podcast God. break as everybody watches yeah. a twenty-minute clip of the movie, and we will be right back. It's a, it's, Stay tuned. A, it's a podcast. Twenty seconds. Everybody take a look and all of our viewers take a look at the the most the most uh uh the best Alfred scene that they removed from the film here on <laughs> oh Check the link in the episode okay, description so... for <laughs> the YouTube video of Alfred getting eaten by an ogre. Wait, this is a great deleted scene. Gandalf is fighting the ogre but he can't his magic's like not working. He can't get it up. He can't get it up. Alfred is in a catapult. Oh, no. <laughs> Was no. I right? Was I right? Alfred is hiding in the bag of a catapult. He drops a coin onto the spring loader of the catapult. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I didn't know this piece of content existed. Thank God this wasn't in the movie. Oh, come on. That would have been great hey, for the movie. If you're going to do it. Oh wait, no. Although oh, wait, it would have been just it. so oh, my God, it, par for the course. No, this is perfect. Because it also it slow-mos. It slow-mos and he looks at the coin as it falls on the, the key to unload the catapult. Oh folks, I know I know this is an audio format. I don't know how much of this is going to be cut, but if you are hearing this, you gotta I watch it. Strongly encourage you to go watch this 80 seconds of film. It is just Andrew just this threw his scene hands up in the air in celebration as he watched this clip. <laughs> That is the best scene in this movie. That was so I, could, I totally agree. I completely <laughs> wow, agree. Incredible. incredible. Ew, That's why you got to tune into the Hobbit Hoopla podcast so you can find out about all these wonderful things that aren't even in the movies. Yeah. We got content, content, on, content, on, content. on content. So let's go around and let's, let's talk about 
maybe some final thoughts on this movie. If there's any favorite, <laughs> least favorite parts that we haven't discussed yet, maybe just give us a, a small little idea of how you uh, enjoy this movie. And then we're going to go around and, of course, rate it as we rate every episode of the Hobbit Hoopla podcast on a scale of 1 to 111 hooplas. Let's start with our good buddy, Jake. Is there anything that we missed from this episode? Um, I think we missed a few armies, uh, if I'm being 100% honest. <laughs> I'm sure there was another one or two in there. We forgot the eagles. Uh, yeah, that's, that's an army of... of eagles were cool. Yeah, the eagles were dope. Uh, anyhow, uh, so there was that. And then, uh, I, I don't know, there was nothing Jake really fell asleep else. Too. Yeah, I fell asleep, <laughs> so yeah, quite honestly... A soothing lullaby of clashing yeah. iron. Yeah, it was it was just entertaining to watch. I missed nothing when I woke up an hour later, and uh, that's why I can consistently <laughs> give this film a nice, solid, you know, seventy five review out of eleventy one. Wow, hooplas. Oh, let's go! That's pretty good. <laughs> out of eleventy one, that's like a sixty eight, sixty nine. That's something nice. like that. That's not nice. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> Our rating scale is just fully broken, but I'm fine with that. Chris, what do you think of this movie? Your rating scale is Shut broken. Up, Chris, what do you think of the movie? <laughs> our listeners think our rating, my rating scale is, is Sound off on, on Twitter if who you think is the best at rating these episodes. <laughs> and if you think it's Chris, <laughs> lie to us. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, are you ready for me to give my review? Andy, what would you think of this movie? (laughs) (laughs) I need, uh, so everyone listening back home, you know, we really need to get the energy back Back here. (laughs) We need the energy back. The Hoopla podcast team here, they've watched the the, Hobbit 3, and, you know, I don't think it resonated very well with them. But for me, (laughs) this was a heck of an action sequence. The, The ending was my favorite. No, actually, I lied. I already said that Desolation of Smaug is my favorite. But the ending with actually Bayorn and the other, like, all of the characters you've met through the trilogy have kind of meet for that final, that final scene. Um, but then really, the ending piece where Bilbo goes back to the Shire. Like, there's, I love in all of these movies, there's always this return back to the Shire. And it's interesting they kept in the uh, in the Hobbit movie where they're selling off all of Bilbo's yeah. things, auctioning <laughs> mm-hmm. it off. I thought that was really fun. Like whenever you go to the Shire in these movies, or like even in Rings of Power with Nori, there's just a lot more lightness to it, um, and a little whimsical. bit more joy. The whimsical nature that uh, that Jake always mentions. <laughs> we almost made it a whole episode without Damn. saying whimsical. Thank you for. It's awesome. and, and maybe it's a it's a fault of the writing team that one of my favorite parts of the movie is just that return to the Shire because it's 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 something we know it's something we love we love the Shire mm-hmm. um so I, I I did really really enjoy that that moment when they actually do go through those the same lines from the Hobbit book where they're auctioning everything off and the the Saxville Bagginses. Real quick, I know we're already in the reviews, but Andrew, you do bring up that final scene, which is a good point. Uh, Roundtable discussion. Do we think Gandalf knows that Bilbo still has the ring? Yes, yes. absolutely. A million percent. Bilbo says, oh, I've lost it. I misplaced it. No, Gandalf knows. Gandalf just doesn't yeah, know, he knows how powerful the ring is. You know, he thinks it's just a he ring. He doesn't know which ring it is. Like a lesser right. ring, yeah. Yep. 
I think that's yeah. I, I it's 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 not necessarily implied, but I just think the way that Ian McKellen plays that character and mm-hmm. how we know he he had played the character ten years ago. I think it's hard to say that he doesn't know. So I agree. The implication, Chris. It's the implication. <laughs> Andrew, let's give us a number, baby. All right. I'm going to give a 65 out of 111 hooplas. That is officially a 60% overall. You know, they could have done a little bit better in this movie. I, what We've already talked about it. It should have been two films. But because what we got was very entertaining... The pot wasn't all there, but there's all the there's all the wonderful parts, you know, the elves, Thranduil, the Alfred getting eaten by an ogre. (laughs) (laughs) If the best part of the movie was deleted from the movie, I don't know how to reconcile that in the rating. (laughs) That's why you use that's that's why we're going to be it's the extended versions. Did you not watch the extended version? No. I could barely stay awake for the short versions. Well, I haven't watched the movie in two years either. So. 66. Be- oh, it's going up. Oh. Chris, before he gets right. too high, what did you think? <laughs> oh. uh, man, you, you guys kind of already know what I think here. Um, I, I have the bad boy reputation. I'm a little bit more critical of, of all the properties that we enjoy. For me, this doesn't even crack a 50. I'm going to give it a 48 oh out of 51 hooplas. It's just, it's just categorically not a good film. It's, it's three hours of insubstance, if that's even a word. The lack of substance. There's, there's no substantial plot points that I really care about here. Again, the Thor and Oakenshield arc is wrapped up relatively well for a story about you know a hobbit and some dwarves and and i appreciate that bilbo is probably the most grounding character throughout the trilogy it just doesn't culminate in something that i really care about I, it, the 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 motivations behind some of the key characters just don't make sense because the movie has to fill in time and then of course has to finish what it has been trying to do for the first two so we do have key characters and we do have some good scenes. And again, it's fun to have the Rings of Power backlog watching these films now. But at the end of the day, this movie is just not a good movie. For me, it's, it's a 48 out of 111 hooplas. And sadly, it's the worst of the trilogy. Which is saying something. But I'll give you yeah. a hoopla for that rating anyway. I thought this movie was you know, fine. Just a whole bunch of fight scenes. I did think that we mentioned this a little bit. Martin Freeman as Bilbo is fantastic. Yeah. The character of Bilbo. He really, he really yes. does. He, he owns this role and just wonderful. Yeah. So I'll give Martin Freeman a hundred out of 111 hooplas, but I'll give. Yeah, agree. Yes, I will also do that. 100%. I'll give this movie, uh, shoot, I don't know, 58. Why not? 58 out of 111 hooplas <laughs> for The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. Uh, you know, kind of fun sometimes. Mostly silly. Nothing too crazy happening. Um, but it was fun for me to finally watch this trilogy of movies after putting it off for over a decade. I was finally convinced <laughs> to watch uh, a fun, exciting, whimsical adventure. And I'm glad you guys were here. <laughs> For the for the whole adventure with me, this has been fantastic. Yeah, man, been so just absolutely fantastic. joyous. And, <laughs> Jake says just, as he's falling Jake asleep. Is asleep. <laughs> it it, I, it does. I, I would say 
uh, one testament to Peter Jackson and this trilogy overall. It does enhance, I think, what you see in Lord of the Rings. And then even more so than like, I think it's going to enhance my viewing of the next seasons of Rings of Power to like see where was the first place that they saw Sauron and what did Galadriel and Elrond look like in this in this period of time. Um, so I'm excited to to delve into the Rings of Power a little bit more and see if we can make some more more connections there because they're definitely uh, they're definitely an Easter egg hidden in plain sight. Ooh, <laughs> go find Strider in the Rings of Power. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very excited to watch Rings of Power. <laughs> Hell yeah. um, so thank you all for joining us for this wonderful trilogy of Hoopla episodes about the Hobbit trilogy. Uh, tune in. Over the coming weeks, we have a few special Hoopla episodes coming out for you, so stay tuned. Um, we have a mystery episode that you'll have to just wait and find out about. We have the Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania review will be dropping Ooh, shortly dang. after that movie hits theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next big step for the Hoopla podcast is return to Holocron Hoopla for The Mandalorian Season 3. So Woo, be sure go. to stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter to stay up to date with everything. Um, and we're looking forward to the next few months of the Hoopla podcast. A lot of exciting stuff coming. So thanks again for listening. Stay tuned. And as we end every episode of the Hoopla podcast, it is time for the moment of highest Hoopla. The quote of the episode. What do you got for us this week, Andy? As Bilbo Baggins said, One day I'll remember. Remember everything that happened. The good, the bad, those who survived, and those who did not. R.I.P. Killy, and Philly, and Willie, and Dilly. <laughs> And Gloin, and Groin, and and Bomber, <laughs> and Bofer, and, and Thorin Dan, and Junior Whopper, and Double Whopper, and Triple Whopper. <laughs> Good night, Jake. Good night, Jake. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>